0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm fired up to be at church. Uh, Pastor has a thing that the over under is 13 fired ups today. So that's three, I guess, I don't know. But I am so excited to be here at church. uh, Sugar Hill Church, Uh, it's been amazing. I've been hearing what God has been doing here. I got to be here on a Saturday about a year or so ago and now I get to be here at a weekend service. Uh, I've been able to serve a business in Cumming, Georgia where I speak there six times a year and then provide financial coaching. And I've driven past here for years. And I've prayed specifically for your church because I have drove past here during the construction season, if you all remember that. And I saw, I was like, I don't know how anyone gets in and out of the parking lot over there. Lord let at least five people show up there on a weekend to navigate that, help them to you know, maintain you know, a God-honoring attitude as you get in and out of traffic there. And it's so great to be able to see traffic is uh, better, much better. And I'm excited to be here to be a part of the Flip series. And I've been able to watch Pastor be teaching this series in, a, in week one to catch you up on the series and remind everybody. Uh, we talked about the fact that, that someone owns everything. Who is that? That's right. In church, when the preacher asks a question, the answer is either yes or God. So if you say, yes, God, you'll be right 95% of the time. That's an A, so yes, God. God owns it all. It's all His, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all God's. And last week, Pastor talked about the message and shared the fact that, that we are to return the tithe, to bring the first fruits to the Lord, that it is His. We're merely bringing back a portion of what He's given us and uh, that we are to put Him first. And that this word first fruits is mentioned in the Bible a lot of times. In fact, it's mentioned over 30 times. And that lastfruits is mentioned, you know, exactly zero times. And so we're to put God first. And it's been an incredible response. And today, I'm going to talk about the other 90%. So we're to re- return the tithe, which means the first 10%. I'm going to talk about managing the other 90%. And you ought to be fired up about that. Because what we're doing with that is talking about the funding of your individual, God-given plans, hopes, and dreams. Whatever those dreams are, that fully funded life that God's calling you to live. But the truth be told, many of us, we've kind of spent it up. We have the spiritual gift of making money disappear. Who here has that gift? Admit it. Okay, we have a lot of people. God, I pray for deliverance today, in Jesus' name. I had, I had the spiritual gift of making money disappear. I would go out, spend too much at lunch on a credit card, and accidentally buy a truck. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I have spending-itis at another level. So I want to talk about that today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about a parable, a story that Jesus shared, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And it's gonna be a fun uh, conversation. And this is, go- I'm gonna to preachify today. Okay, so preachifying is when I preach, but I'm testifying. And it says that we overcome through the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. So I'm gonna testify as to what God has done in my life. And I pray that it's a help to you and help you move forward in honoring the Lord with 100% of what He's given you. And in this parable, Jesus shares about the fact that there are. Three guys, Uh, the owner is going on a journey. He entrusted stuff to three guys. And uh, the first guy gets five talents. It's a unit of measure. Another guy gets two talents of gold. Another gets one talent. And the owner leaves. And the guy with five, he doubled his. And the guy with two, he doubled his. The guy with one, he he buried his in the ground because he is afraid. The guy who got his five to be 10, And the guy who got his two to be four, they got the thumbs up from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. The guy who buried his, pretty bad. And so we're going to make sure that we're in the doubling side of things. Who's interested in doubling some stuff today? It's the double principle, fired up. That's right. Now, you may wonder why I'm fired up. I'm going to give you a few reasons or explanations for that and then dive into the message. One reason is I am the youngest of six boys. There are no daughters in my family. In fact, my mother and father had four boys. The fourth boy was about six years old, and my parents were expecting their fifth and final child, the one promised, begged-for daughter that they wanted. And so it was March 31st, 1974, March 31st. What's the day after that? April Fool's. April Fool's, this is very important and relevant to this story. My mother goes into labor. It's about 10 o'clock at night. And the nurse is listening to the womb with the stethoscope, because that's how they checked on babies back then in 1974, almost 45 years ago. And uh, the nurse got this puzzled, perplexed look and raced out and got a doctor and said, there's something wrong with the baby's heartbeat. So the doctor came in and listened, and he says, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats, there's womb mates in there. There's two of them. And my mother said at that moment what I think any mother would say. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have one baby and it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. She said that. I have witnesses. And so about a half hour later, out comes my identical twin brother. Seven minutes later, I showed up. Hey, she didn't cheer either. Uh, She cried. And said, the Lord has spoken, if we try for a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. We are over it. And so she taught me and my twin her motherly ways and taught us how to crochet. For real, it's a man's skill. If I get stuck in the jungle, I can weave us something. In fact, when our pastor was expecting their first child, a daughter, I crocheted a blanket for them. For reals. With a G-size hook and double crochet with an eggshell pattern. Get fired up crocheting lessons in the lobby after the service it'll be awesome (laughs) bring your own yarn and crochet hooks but that's why i'm fired up is i had to be loud just to survive right so when my older brothers were beating me up i could be loud enough to get mom to come rescue me and so that's one reason i'm fired up another reason i'm fired up is because god has worked some miracles in my life and if you've ever had god work some miracles in your life You cannot be quiet about it. You can't shut up about it. Others can tell you to be quiet. Others can say, and I'll say absolutely not because God has done something incredible in my life and I'm gonna shout about it until my last dying breath. Woo, get fired up. So that's what I'm doing today. And when we look at this message today, I I really wanna help you. I wanna help you prosper. Uh, Because Jeremiah 29 11 is a lot of people's life verse. We all, many of us have it printed in our house, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to help you scrape by. <laughs> Is that what it says? <laughs> then why are you praying to scrape by? There's many people in the sound of my voice today, you're trying to make it to Thursday. Today's the day I'm going to level up your belief that God has plans for you, and he has plans to what? Prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And so we're gonna work through that today, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. And the first thing that I wanted to teach you today is that we all have to deal with money. Get fired up about that. We all have to deal with it, is that true? As you came to church today, that was a money decision. You're already thinking about where you're going to eat after this, right? You, you, you wore off a little bit more rubber off the tires, you're gonna have to replace it, the brakes wore out a little more, right? And your, your furnace, it already broke down on the coldest day of the year. And now your AC, it's it's already wearing out. It's it's preparing to break down on the hottest day of the year. That's what they do. Your your car's wearing out. Your young son's going to say to another friend this afternoon, hey, y'all, watch this, and you're going to get a medical bill. It's going to happen. Is that truth? Life's going to happen, and it's going to cost money. And here's the issue. We think about it. Money is something that we think about on a regular basis. We don't like to admit it, but we do. We think about it. We make decisions about it. When we lay awake at night, we stare at the ceiling thinking about it, and it's very important to recognize that we all have to deal with money. It's the truth, but many of us don't like to hear about money. In fact, when given a choice between these three things, uh, running a 26.2 mile marathon today, being hit in the head by a four-by-four board seven times, or doing a budget, we would choose the other two, for real. That, that's the fact. Many people don't like to hear about money. Like, you plug your ears and run away, blah. In fact, when somebody starts talking about money, like I am right now, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher to you. Like, wah, 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 wah. And it's like solving an endless riddle or puzzle when you're trying to navigate money. Especially when it comes to investing. It's like solving this riddle. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires, paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes would it take to cover a doghouse? fired up is the answer no there is an answer to that I'll ask it again just to make sure you heard it if you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield how many pancakes would it take to cover a doghouse yes God somebody says I love it the the right answer is it doesn't matter because a chicken doesn't eat ice cream anyhow do you get it no you don't get it it doesn't make sense and that's how many people are with money it makes no sense But it doesn't negate your need to deal with it. And here's why we don't want to deal with it. There's two real reasons. One of them is we have money wounds. We have wounding from our past. Whether how we grew up with money. um, Whether it's some poor decision we've made. And that wounding has caused us to retreat. The other one is we believe money lies. We believe various money lies. Like you know, the rich people have obviously, they've ripped off somebody else. That's why they become wealthy. That's a lie. Uh, or, or I can't give. I can't afford to give. That's another money lie. We believe lies. Or I always have a car payment. Everybody in my life has always had a car payment. Or everybody in my life has always struggled with money I can't get ahead. Those are all money lies. And I wanted to start today's message by saying we all have to deal with it. So we ought to deal with it in a way that honors the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so I was broke, and let me tell you how I got broke. I knew nothing about money. I had no education about money. My dad was just, you know, he was decent with money. He didn't talk about it. He was intensely private about it. And we never had conversations about money. So I started my money journey when I decided to sign up to go to college. I'm the youngest of six, but me and my twin were the first to go to college. My decision was very thought-filled. I walked out into high school, my first day of my senior year. I grew up in Indiana and there was this thing that said, free application to Purdue University. And I was like, I can can pay for that. And so I started filling it out and I went to my calculus class. I was in the first ever calculus class at our school. I had 50 students in my entire grade. I'm in the middle of a cornfield. And uh, I asked my teacher, Hey, which of these degrees is going to be in demand in about five years? Because I want to make some money. Does anybody want to make some money? Yeah, i like to make some money. And so he's like, hey, listen, three of the top five are engineering jobs. So I checked engineering and mailed it in. That was my job or my college thought process. And seven days later, I had a congratulations, you're accepted. And I said, that's it. I'm going to Purdue. I'm going to study engineering. My twin brother, he applied to IU, Indiana University, to study nursing. And so I decided I'm going to college, I'm leaving. And uh, he said, how are you gonna pay for that? I said, I don't know, Um, I'll join the army if I have to. Uh, I ended up uh, dating this girl and my finances headed into the ditch. Her name was Sally May, student loan company. Does anybody know Sally May or First Cousins, Great Lakes, Servicing, Nelnet, Navient, any of those? Today I declare that you're breaking up. But I started my relationship. It's, it, the jokes won't get any better, just so you know. And I financed all my college education. My first week in there, they, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out these credit card applications. And I was awesome at this. What's your name? Joseph Single? What is your income? Zero dollars. What is your job? You don't have one. And I got, listen, for that 30 seconds invested, I got three free things. I I remember it like it was yesterday. I got a free two liter of Coca-Cola. That's good wages. I got a free t-shirt from AT&T that advertised their long distance service. All the millennials are confused right now. They don't even know what that is. Listen, it used to cost you money to call someone on the other side of town. Who here has gotten in trouble and has wounding in your soul for talking too long on long distance? That's right. See, hands down, we're all old. think about data, millennials. It's similar to that. And the third thing that I got was a duffel bag from American Express. Yeah, it was awesome. And a week later, guess what showed up in my mailbox? A credit card to a person who admitted they had no job and no money. Why did they do that? Because they know that college students have parents. And the parents generally will have mercy on their college student's soul and bail them out. They did not know my parents who said, we love you, mean it, you're on your own. And so I, I got that credit card and the next day I practiced with it. And I should have applied that wisdom from that kid show that says swiper, no swiping. Sing it with me, come on, Vamanos! everybody let's go. I know that we can do it, come on, let's get to it. Something like that. of the Explorer, woo, for the win. But swiper the fox steals stuff, right? And, and they tell him when he steals it, swiper, no swiping. And I was literally stealing from myself. And so at the end of four years, um, I had thousands of dollars of, on a balance of a credit card, tens of thousands of dollars owed to Sally Mae. But in a miracle of God, I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering. It is proof that God still works miracles. I did not get a single A in a single engineering class. In fact, at graduation, I was wondering, am I graduating? I don't know if anybody's been here like that. There were some people with special gold honors cords, and they said they graduated magna cum laude or summa cum laude. I graduated with lesson-owned honors called thank the laude and got <laughs> out of there. For real. 2.64 GPA. Look it up. Woo! Be glad I'm not designing anything. It would hurt somebody. But I graduated, and all through college I'd been driving a clunker beater vehicle. The take your life in your own hands type of vehicle. A 1981 Datsun B210. Woo! Get fired. Up is true. Let let me tell you, did anybody have one of these cars back in the day? I mean, they went forever on a thimble full of gas, but the body sort of disintegrated around you. Especially if you're in Indiana where they spray salt on the road in the winter. And so like the floorboard on the passenger side was rotted out. I had a piece of plywood there, or else their feet would have hit the road. One day, I crossed a rough railroad track crossing, and the entire dash collapsed in my lap. <laughs> I tied it up with clothesline. That, the, shortly after, my driver's side door stopped latching. And in a sure sign, my engineering degree wasn't working, I couldn't fix a simple door latch. So I rolled down the window and tied it shut with more clothesline and literally went in and out of the window like the Dukes of Hazzard. And then the worst moment came that one night I was driving this car, pitch black night, and I come down this country road where there's a culvert, where there's a hump over the culvert, and I hit the culvert and my lights went out. And then immediately after it, a fireball, no exaggeration, this big, the entire width of the hood roared out blew over my glass and my front window pane, and then my, it went out and the lights came back on. And I kept driving. Because when you're broke, you ignore obvious issues. I'm like, that did not happen, that did not happen. The second time that happened, I said, that did happen. So I popped the hood and I quickly discovered that in keeping with the theme of my automobile, the battery holders had rusted off, they were gone. And when I was hitting bumps, the battery is bouncing up, arcing out on my metal hood and igniting a leak in my fuel line. Get fired up was a literal thing. So guess how I, as a broke person, fixed my fuel line? Duct tape, baby, you know I did. For real, I did. I sold it with duct tape. I used bailing wire to tie down my battery. I actually crossed the terminals when I did it. It was a shocking experience. But let me tell you something, I I needed a different car. Please agree with me that I needed, but I wanted a new car. So guess what I done did? I went down to the car lot with my brand new job and uh, I financed a brand new car, including the sales tax, 105% financing. And then I got a payment every month. That's how that works. And then shortly after I discovered a lost book of the Bible called the first book of hesitations. And chapter 3, verse 2 said that every guy in the South needs a pickup truck. So I bought one, 100% financing. And then I asked my college sweetheart to marry me, and she said yes. So I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica. And all on a credit card. And then we moved to Anderson, South Carolina with a job transfer. And we bought a house. That was a debt of another size. And then we wanted furniture. Do you think we paid cash for that? 24 months, same as cash, we had some furniture. And there's no one right now saying, I perceive that that guy up there is a financial genius. You're like, bless his heart, right? <laughs> the fact is, though, I was running away from dealing with money. But we all have to deal with it. And I had to come to a conclusion. The second thing I want to share with you is that God has blessed each of us. God has blessed each of us. That's a good spot to say Amen. Listen, you're blessed. Are you blessed? Come on. Listen, this morning, many of us, woo, get fired up. I mean, most of us are so blessed that we have a house for our car. It's called a garage. And it's bigger than most houses that people live in in the world. Most of us here have not involuntarily missed a meal in 20 or 30 years. We're blessed. We live in a a land of opportunity. You can point the direction and head towards it. Will there be obstacles? Absolutely. But God has blessed us with opportunity. In fact, we pick it up, this story, this parable that Jesus shares in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 15. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. And read these next five words with me that are underlined. Are you ready? Let's go. Each according to his ability. Now leave that up there for a second. When I read this, this got me fired up. Because what it says is that if you want more to manage, the owner, who owns it all? God. He recognizes our ability and gives according to our ability. Do you see it? If you have a dream that is bigger than your bank account, congratulations. God can fund it, but let me tell you something, ability has to go up, and you will not wander your way to better ability. I was broke as a joke, and I'm like, I need to do a better job. I don't know how to do a better job. I need to win with my money. I have big dreams. I don't know what to do with it, and I said, I need to transform my life. In fact, I had a flippant moment. The flippant moment happened for me December 2nd of 2002. It was very similar to when Mama Sangle had a flippant moment with her six sons, and she had had enough. When my mother would have enough, she would announce it to the entire household and the neighborhood. She would yell at the top of her voice, I have had enough, and then she'd whip out her primary weapon, which was a fly swatter with the metal wire in it, and she would move swinging wildly at the perpetrators, which was generally all of us, and she would beat us into submission because she had had enough and she needed to flip this household. Well, let me tell you, on December 2nd, 2002, I had a flippant moment in my finances. And I pulled out the metal wire water and I took it to my finances. And I said, I need to increase my ability. And so I started reading every book I could get my hands on. I read Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Revisited. I read David Bach's Automatic Millionaire. I read David Chilton's The Wealthy Barber. I thought your name had to be David to write a finance book, <laughs> right? And then I found Howard uh, Howard Dayton's book, Your Money Counts, and Larry Burkett's book, Business by the Book, and I read Mary Hunt's book, Debt Proof Living, and then I read read all these different books, and then I ended up getting to the greatest money book ever written, guess what that is? The Bible. And did you know it talks more about money than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined? Why? Because he knew that we would all have to deal with this. And he knew we would understand the spiritual principles when he taught it using finances and possessions. In fact, I started seeing that of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four first books of the New Testament, one out of six verses talks about money or possessions. And these parables, like we're sharing today, there's 38 of them documented in the Gospels in red letters in my Bible. And 17 out of 38 of those, almost half, Jesus used money or possessions to illustrate the point so that we could get it. And I started reading them, and it was incredible. It started transforming my life. One of the verses I ran across was Proverbs 15, 22. And it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And I realized one of the reasons why I was not winning with my money is because I was trying to do this alone. And you cannot do life alone. And I started seeking wisdom, and it started to increase my ability. We see in Matthew 25, verses 16 through 18, we pick up the story. And it says, the man who had received the five talents took a nap. Is that what it says? It says, the man who received the five talents prayed about it. What's it say? He went at once and went to work. Is that what it says? No, it says he put his money to work this is an investing principle These are two clues on how they doubled their money they did not they were not lazy they did not use prayers an excuse prayer is powerful but you should walk and pray move as the lord leads you do already what you know he's told you to do and let me tell you if it's in god's word you don't need to pray about it anymore you just should do what god's word says and you got to go at once and he put his money to work and in the king james version it says he put it to the exchangers Think about it. The New York Stock Exchange. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And it says he put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who would received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This is the moment where you cue up the sinister movie music. It's not going to go very well for him, as we'll find out in a few minutes. And so I read this, and I... I asked myself a question and it's a question I want to ask you. Over the past year, how have you done with what God has placed in your hands? It's a tough question at times, isn't it? And I asked myself that question back at my flippant moment in December 2nd of 2002, and I didn't like the response. I said, "I have been greedy." I've been pursuing what I wanted and telling God to bless it instead of seeking his will for my life. And I said, at this moment, I'm going to flip it. And I started reading God's word and I started hiding it in my heart because I knew that the word said, thy word have I had in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so I started hiding this in my, these truths in my heart. And so I read in Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower's servant to the lender. And Romans 13.8 said, Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. And I read all these other verses. Proverbs 13.22 that says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And I read in Proverbs 15, this verse about the plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And then Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely his haste leads to poverty. I hid it in my heart because I was ready for change and I was increasing my ability. And we put together this amazing thing called a budget. And then we started applying this word in our life. It's a word that can alter your life. It's a two-letter, simple word, very difficult to deploy, called no. When's the last time you told yourself no? Hey, when's the last time you told your kids no? That's awesome. (laughs) When's the last time you told your grandkids no? Never. Never. I'm told it's special when you hold that first grandchild that you look at that child and say, my goodness, how did good looks and intelligence skip a generation and go straight from me to them. And you become a very weird person to your kids. (laughs) I don't recognize my parents, right? But watch this. No works. And so me and my wife, we put together this budget, and then we did something even crazier. We followed it and we put God first, saving second, investing third, plan the rest, and God started doing amazing things, and we got all of our debt paid off in just 14 months. We broke up with Sally Mae, we broke up with the Capital, credit, Capital One credit card, that's who I had, and when they started saying, watch in your wallet," I said, cash money, because I'm debt free. In fact, I checked my balance online, and they owed me 26 cents. Yeah. And I could, you, I could, I'm not saying do this, but you could call them up and say, Capital One, yes, this is Joseph Sengel, your lender, 26 cents, and you're late in paying. That would be a $40 late fee, right? Jesus loves you, right? Don't do that. But I got debt-free, and I started telling everybody, I'm fired up, because God worked a miracle. I'm like, you can be debt-free. God has set me free. I've got liberty. Woo! Get fired up. You can do this. You can get debt-free. And everybody's staring at me like you're staring at me right now, like, what do we do with Job? and prayed for my wife without ceasing. And, and then this family came to the church and they were struggling financially and they asked for help. And they're like, have we got the guy to help you? His name is Joe, we're sending him to your house. He makes house calls. Those poor people. I was so fired up, I drove over to their house and I, I did break the speed limit. And I got to their house and I walked in the house and have you ever felt like you walked in on an argument? Like, you could tell that I, I, I walked in right in the middle of an argument. But passion made me stay. I quickly realized why it felt that way. It was two parents and two teenage daughters. There you go. And so, so I'm like, I, you, you can win with money. And I said, do you have income? And they said, yes. And I said, that is great. Because if you don't have income, you can't have outgo. You know, it's this thing called math, right? And so they had income. So I sat down and I said, you need a budget? The budget. Proverbs 21.5 says the plans of the diligent lead the prophet as surely as haste leads poverty. So you got to have a plan, then you got to diligently follow it. Let's put together a budget. And they're like, okay. I said, okay, in your budget, we, we need to put God first. And they're like, we can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you think about giving? And they're like, we want to, we just don't see how. And I said, okay, you want to. Well, since we're planning... Let's put it in here and see what, we look, what decisions we would need to make to be able to get there. And they're like, okay, but you don't know our whole story yet. I'm like, okay, well, we're planning it. We'll come back to it if we need to. And we got to the second line and we put in savings. And they said, we can't save. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we, you don't know our whole story right now. I'm like, but you can't prosper if you don't save. You need margin. So let's put in savings. They're like, okay. And then we got down to groceries. And I said, how much do you need for groceries for your family of four for the whole month? And they said, $150. I went, no, 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 no. You misunderstood me. I didn't say per week or per person. I said, for your whole family of four for the entire month, how much money for groceries? And they said, $150. We're trying to get it to 100 And I said, you're going to be very skinny. And they were frighteningly skinny so I put in 150 I said we coming back to that and we get down to the rest of things all their payments their debt payments lots of debt payments and we got down to the other and I said do you have anything else and they said yes we have these goats I said did you say goats and they said yes I'm like you live in the city where are the goats and they said well we belong to this agricultural organization it's a great one called 4-H and we have show goats and I'm like okay where are they? And they said, well, we keep them at this farm outside of town. And it turns out every day they drive twice a day, 45 minutes each way to feed these goats high-octane alfalfa hay. I'm like, that is awesome. How much per month? And they said, $400. And their budget was deep in the red. And, and, and so I looked at their whole budget and I looked at them and I said, you can win with your money. And they said, we can. I said, not only can you win you with your money, you can give and save and invest and plan in the rest and pay all your bills. And they said, we can. I said, I know you can. And they're like, for real? Like how? And I said, when are you gonna go feed your goats next? And I, they said, this afternoon, when we're done meeting with you. And I said, that's great. Here's what you will do. You're going drive over there and you're gonna kill those goats. And you're gonna eat them. And you're gonna solve your go out go problem and your grocery problem at the same time. Yeah, they didn't cheer either. Um, They did not clap. Uh, They did not invite me back. But let me tell you something. It would have worked. And we can look at that story and say, that's ridiculous. I can't believe they would do that. But if we're being honest in this room right now, there are many of us. Hear me. We have a goat in our life. Hear me. And it's eating your very lunch. It's robbing you of the ability to have peace in your life. You're losing sleep over it. It's eating every available dollar. It's preventing you from living generously. It's keeping you from saving and keeping you from moving towards God's preferred dream for your life. And my question today is what is the goat that you need to go home And just slaughter. That's a tough challenge, isn't it? I had to slaughter all my life. And the lesson I had to learn is it's not no forever. It's just no for now. See, God has blessed each of us. And the third thing that I wanted to share with you is we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. In fact, at the end of our life, we're going to be asked two questions. What did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with what I gave you. And we'll be held accountable. We see in verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There's a settling. And when I look in this story, I really see that there's three categories of people. In fact, uh, I want you to kind of see where you're at in your financial stewardship journey today with the management of the rest of that 90%. The first category is those who've managed well. Those who've managed well. And I know who you are. You've been smiling through this whole service. And you know, God's good, isn't he? All the time, God is good. And we see this in verse 20 through 23, the two people that manage well. It says, the man who'd received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And if that's you, if you've managed well, that's awesome. I encourage you to do three things. If you're in that category of managed well, the first thing is wake up every single day and thank God. Thank God that he's provided his word and that when you apply his word in your life, life just goes better. Thank him for providing every single day because you recognize it's all his, we're just managers. Thank him. The second thing I challenge you to do is to guard yourself. Because I think one of the greatest things God could ever trust us with is possessions. Right, because if we're not careful, they could get attached to our heart and we could define who we are by what we have. Think about this. You know, I have a million dollars in my 401k. Isn't that awesome? I'm a millionaire. Isn't that awesome? Look at me. And I like to say for those in 2008 nine, how did that work when your 401k turned into a 201k? And then into a box, a special K. Can I get a witness? <laughs> right? It says, Jesus shares, that don't put your faith in stuff in this present world. Because moths and vermin destroy and thieves will break in and steal, but to store for yourselves treasures in heaven where that cannot happen. And so guard yourself. So thank God every day, guard yourself. And the third thing is to tell others, teach others. Because we have a desperate lack of biblical financial knowledge in this world. Teach those that are in your life your family, your friends, those you work with, your co workers. Anyone who will listen, share your story. Listen, they can argue with lots of things, but the one thing they cannot argue with is your story. Share your story. The second category that I see is those who've managed poorly. And that's this poor guy in verse 24 through 30. It says, Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, This is Jesus' words. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. That's a promise. Whoever does not have even what he has to be taken from him. This is another promise. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if that's you today, I'm challenging you to flip it. It's time to take control of your finances and to be able to go do what God has called you to do. You can do this. But as God gave me this message, I realized there's a third category of people that are not mentioned in this story And it's those who are missing from the story. And they're missing. In fact, 70% of Americans cannot find their story in this story. Because 70% of Americans, they have spent every dime they have. They live paycheck to paycheck. And they financed even more. And they dare to look at a holy God and say, the problem is not me. It's because you haven't provided enough. Give me more. That's exactly where I was at. And so if we were to write them in the story, it would be the owner comes back, hey, I know you gave me one, I spent it long ago. I financed 30% more, can I get a loan? And we kind of laugh or snicker to keep from crying. In fact, I used to go around telling I'm so broke jokes to make myself feel better. I would say I'm so broke that when somebody rings my doorbell, I have to personally yell ding dong out the window, right? (laughs) I told another one, I'm so broke that I was walking with one shoe on. They said, Hey, you lost a shoe. And I said, No, I found one. And then the worst one, I was so broke that I had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers, right? (laughs) Don't do that. That's just weird. And my flippant moment came when I realized the fourth and final point is we can be free. We can be free. You can be free. It says in my Bible and your Bible that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom, liberty. And listen, I know that if you're in that 70% and you're struggling right now, it's tough to believe that you can be free. I have been there. And so I'm encouraging you today to borrow some belief from me, from the belief bank of what God has done for me. I am nothing special other than I am a child of God just like you are. And that if you follow these principles and you increase your ability, the owner, who is that? God himself will see that ability and bless you with more to manage. Today at 5 o'clock, I'm going to be teaching the financial learning experience. It's a practical equipping workshop to help you have principles come to life in your life. We will teach how to budget in a way that actually works, how to save money, How to be debt-free. You'll calculate exactly when you be debt-free. We'll talk about investing and retirement. And all the tools are free. There's more than 100 of them. There's time for you to register still. There's going to be an incredible meal. It's free. All the tools are free. And you can register via the app or by going online uh, right now. And I pray that you'll bring your friends, your family, even if you're winning with money. I'm confident you know someone who is not. So get them here and we'll serve them. Well, will you pray with me as I hand it back to pastor God I thank you so much for every single life that's represented here God may we grasp the potential of what could happen if we surrendered all of our finances in the ownership position to you that we recognize ourselves as the true position of manager God help us to return the first fruits and God for the other 90% may we manage it in a way that honors you and as you do the work that only you can do the miracles that only you can provide let us be careful to give you all the glory and all the credit for it. May it build your kingdom and be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: A lot for Joe. Yeah. Hey, listen, on your way out today uh you can you can stop by and register kids for uh breakthrough for those of you that uh, stood up and said i can help if you'll see bobby right after the service over here and you can register still before one o'clock uh we'll get you registered for this evening's five o'clock dinner just make sure we've got food if you decide to show up later on tonight just come on we just may not have enough meal for you all right but you're welcome to be here we will find a way for you to get in here and i encourage you to be here tonight. On the way out, Joe has got a product table there and there are a couple of resources that I cannot tell you enough that I really wanna urge you to stop by and grab. The first one is the book, Uh, I was broke and now I'm not. But he's got a second book out there called Oxen that I'm telling you is a great read. It's about a four night read, uh, but it it will radically change how you see your finances. So I wanna encourage you to stop by at those tables. And like, like always, would you stand with me for this blessing? So as you leave this day, the Jesus that Joe has speak, spoken about so wonderfully today. Let that Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. My friend, that's what he does. Let that Jesus go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved even when you're broke. And when debt and this life has buried you and just kicking you while you're down jump on his back and wrap your arms around his neck and let him carry you not around the problem but through the middle of it only so he can set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear your savior say my child say it
0: with me I want you God bless you Go in peace, we'll see you at five.